No, <laughs> heck no. I'll tell you right now, both Core and I, as well as all the clients that we work with are not perfect. We're nowhere near perfect. And to be honest, at least in this household, that's not what we're striving to be. But to me, being healthy isn't about being perfect. It's about finding a way to thrive all encompassing in allowing all of the things that you want to prioritize about your health to come together and feed off of each other to create the life that you want to live. Hey guys, this is Coach K and you're listening to the Making Changes Breaking Barriers podcast where we talk about you. This is about you, your mind, and your path. I'm going to just jump right into today's topic because this is one I've been thinking about, researching, and formulating for a while. So I am very excited about it. This is a topic that does get talked about a lot in some ways, but in many other ways, it doesn't get talked about enough. And that's what we're going to dig into today. So as someone who works in the health profession, and for those of you who don't know, I wear a few different hats. I have talked about this a little bit in previous episodes, but I'll explain it further. I work full-time for a company called Redefining Strength, and in my position there, I work one-on-one with clients remotely where I am programming out personalized fitness programs for them that are, you know, like I said, totally personalized. So they're based on that person's ability at that point, their goals, their age, previous injuries, all of that. We take all of it into account. And then in addition, I'm also helping them with their nutrition. So we're coming up with nutrition plans for those clients and focusing on that. Those are the two main aspects of my role. Although, as you as you can imagine, when I'm working with a client on those two things, the mindset piece of things, as well as changing habits, changing routines, all of that comes into play as well. So we do focus on things like drinking enough water, overall activity level for the day, staying motivated, staying inspired, staying consistent with their goals. All of that is, is, you know, really part of the daily conversation I have with clients all the time. Then as my side projects and, and passions, I also produce this podcast, obviously, as a way of helping others live more inspired and purposeful lives. That's my big goal for this podcast, really to live healthier lives when you put it you know, in a different way. And lastly, I also have a select few one-on-one life coaching clients and in-person here in Bend, Oregon, one-on-one personal training clients that we have just recently started training in our home garage gym, which I'm very, very excited about. So I have a lot going on, but my point in explaining that is that pretty much everything I do, and I'll include Cora in that boat as well, because she does a lot of those same things from a career standpoint than I, that I do as well. So everything our household does on a daily basis, especially when it comes to our, our career and even in our personal life as well, is engulfed in this idea of trying to be the healthiest human beings we possibly can be. Now, does this purely mean eating perfectly all the time and working out every single day and never indulging and never drinking alcohol and never having a lazy day and so on and so on is is what we do in this household? No. (laughs) Heck no. I'll tell you right now, both Core and I, as well as all the clients that we work with, 
are not perfect. We're nowhere near perfect. And to be honest, at least in this household, that's not what we're striving to be. But to me, being healthy isn't about being perfect. It's about finding a way to thrive all-encompassing and allowing all of the things that you want to prioritize about your health to come together and feed off of each other to create the life that you want to live. So let me give you an example. When you prioritize sleep, you may find that you're able to be more productive at work, you know, and ultimately maybe even work less hours, which means then you have more time with the kids in the evening, which then brings you more joy, which then releases a more positive set of hormones in your body, which then ultimately helps motivate you to want to eat healthier and so on and so on and so on. You see where I'm going with that. So with all that being said, there's one part of the health journey that is talked about a lot and that is researched a ton and that we do flat out know without a doubt when it, when it happens in an extreme sense is really bad for us. And that is chronic stress. Chronic stress is a major issue in our country and can have lasting effects. Just to throw out some numbers to explain further the severity of this issue, the American Institute of Stress reports that around 1 million Americans miss work each day because of stress. 55% of Americans are stressed during the day. 94% of workers report feeling stress at work. 63% of U.S. workers report they're ready to quit their job to avoid work-related stress. And around 33% of people report feeling extreme stress. So when stress is actually distress or long-term or chronic, it can have big negative effects on our body. And this is the part of this conversation that I was saying, you know, it's pretty well known. It's very, very well researched and something that, you know, is known within our society. When the body is stressed, muscles tense up. Muscle flexion is a reflex reaction to stress, okay? So when muscles are tense for long periods of time, this may trigger other reactions of the body and even promote stress-related disorders. So for example, both tension-type headaches and migraine headaches are associated with chronic muscle tension in the area of the shoulders, neck, and head. Also, musculoskeletal pain in the low back and upper extremities have also been linked to, to stress. So this type of stress also can affect, and when I say this type of stress, I'm talking about chronic stress, can also affect our cardiovascular system. Again, I think we know this, but chronic stress or a constant stress experience over a prolonged period of time can contribute to long-term problems for heart and blood vessels, the consistent and ongoing increase in heart rate that is caused by this chronic stress and the elevated levels of stress hormones like cortisol and of blood pressure can take a real big toll on the body. And this long-term ongoing stress can increase eventually the risk of hypertension, heart attack, or stroke. So honestly, there are many other negative effects of chronic stress, but I don't want to take up too much of the time on this episode to talk about that because I do believe this is something our society is convinced of at this point. But as you noticed, I was specifically talking about chronic stress in that instance. And I think what is less understood is that there are different types of stress and levels of stress. And dependent on this, not all stress can be bad. 
And, and that's where this episode is going. I started formulating this idea for this podcast episode a few weeks ago because this question kept popping into my head of, is there a way to live a stress-free life? And believe it or not, as I started digging deeper into the research here, there is. According to research done at Penn State regarding stress, their studies have found that there are some people who actually don't experience stressors on a daily basis. And I know that's hard to believe, so let me explain further. I'll kind of get more into the study here. The researchers used data from 2,711 participants for the study. And prior to the start of the study, the participants completed a short cognition test. Then the participants were interviewed each night for eight consecutive nights, and they answered questions about their mood, chronic conditions they may have, their physical symptoms such as headaches, coughs, or sore throats, and what they did during the day. Then the participants also reported the number of stressors, like disagreements with friends and family or a problem at work, and the number of positive experiences, such as sharing a laugh with someone at work or at home, and had experience, you know, that they had experienced in the last 24 hours. So after analyzing the data, the researchers found that there were about 10% of the participants, right, 10% of that, like 2,700, who reported no stressors throughout the day. And these participants were less likely to have chronic health conditions and experience better moods throughout the day. So there you go. Some people don't experience stress throughout their day-to-day -day life, or at least go through periods of time, we can say, where they're not experiencing stress in their day-to-day -day life. I can't say this is me, to be completely honest, but I'm working on it. I do feel like I, I experience, experience stress on a day-to-day -day basis, but here is where the interesting part comes in. In that same study, while those participants who experienced no stressors did have a lower risk of health issues and a better mood throughout the day, they also performed lower on cognition tests and the difference equaling more than eight years of aging. I found that super interesting. And they were also less likely to report giving or receiving emotional support, as well as less likely to experience positive things happening throughout the day. So wait a minute, we think stress is bad, right? I thought we knew that, and that but then there's people who experience no stress which we would think is a really good thing, and it's not necessarily, at least in some ways. And I think this is a really great example of how most things in life, in extremes, one way or the other, is not a great thing. So let's backtrack a bit and get a better understanding of different types of stress that we can experience. And I think this will help give us a better understanding of when stress might actually be a good thing for us. So I already talked about chronic stress and explained what the effects of that are. But just to be clear, chronic stress can basically be the cost of living our daily lives. It can be the constant stress over days and days and weeks and months of bills, kids, jobs, health, so on and so on. And this is the stress we tend to ignore or push down, which actually just kind of keeps it there, right? It allows it to linger over a very long, consistent amount of time. But then there's also acute stress, which is basically our fight or flight mode. This is our body's ability to prepare to defend itself. Like this is 
the short burst of stress that normally resolves itself, assuming the risk has gone away in about 90 minutes or so. So that's acute stress. Then there's a type of stress in our lives that actually has a positive connotation, and that is called eustress. Eustress is the opposite of distress and can refer to any type of beneficial stress, whether it's physical or psychological. It tends to be short term and often feels it's like this feeling of excitement and people generally perceive this type of stress as manageable and even motivating, right? If it's a positive feeling, obviously it's going to feel a lot more manageable than a stress that feels negative. Some examples of this type of stress might be what you're feeling before a first date or before an upcoming you know, promotional conversation or when riding a roller coaster, for example. And lastly, the last kind of stress is distress. And this is the stress in our lives that has a negative connotation. So this could be things like dealing with a divorce or, you know, some sort of relationship that's just not going well. This could be receiving some sort of, you know, punishment, whether that's through work or Again, through relationships. This could be getting injured or not having the proper tools to deal with negative emotions. This could be financial problems or even work difficulties. But consistent distress and acute stress can turn into chronic stress without proper mind management tools and prevention. So distress is not chronic stress, right? This could just be something that we feel you know, on a day-to-day basis, but as this becomes very consistent and when we don't have the tools to deal with it, that's when something like this can turn into chronic stress or toxic stress. So sometimes some stress in our lives is a good thing. And I want to dig into that more because how do we find that balance? How do we embrace some stress and receive the positive benefits of it without letting it get out of hand? And what does this good stress really do for us anyways? So I'm going to keep it pretty simple, to be honest. I'm really just going to go through three ways that feeling stress can have a positive impact. And this is research-based. There are studies done to prove this. And yeah, I think this is very important to know because stress is something as a society we just think of only as negative. But the reality is that's not always the case. So The first way that feeling stress can have a positive impact on our life is that low to moderate amounts of stress can actually reduce the risk of future mental health disorders. Researchers have found that these low to moderate amounts of stressors can actually immunize someone against future depression or even extreme anxiety in in the future. This low to moderate amounts of stress can really has been found to build resilience in us. Think about it like this. If you all of a sudden were doing something, something hard, and you started to get a little callus on your skin. For any of those people out there who have done CrossFit, once you start getting on that bar a lot, you're doing a lot of pull-ups, you're doing a lot of toes to bar, you're doing a lot of Olympic lifting, you start developing these little calluses on your skin. And these calluses can end up being really great because they protect that part of the skin from, you know, actually ripping. And then, and then at that point it is very painful and you're going to need to give your hands a break. But as it's still just a callus, as that callus develops, it actually helps protect your skin. And generally it's not painful at all. But as you start to just apply a little bit more pressure or, yeah, whatever is pushing up against that part of your skin becomes a little bit harder. And if your skin were to actually cut, right, when it becomes too much, your skin can cut. And at that point, like I said, it's painful. It's not 
productive anymore. Think about stress in this way, right? Stress can help us build these calluses, so to speak, and allow us to really build this resilience, which even from a brain function standpoint, research has shown can be very beneficial in preventing our us from, you know, developing future mental health disorders. So v- pretty cool, right? And a different way to think about stress that's not just all negative. Actually, all three of these, you know, positive impacts of stress that I'm going to talk about today really bring me back to sports. They make me think about, you know, the benefits of of playing sports, even from a young age up until college or even adulthood through sports. There's a lot of adversity. There can be stressful moments, whether that's, you know, in practice, whether that's in an intense game, whether that's feeling the stress of failure within the sport, whatever it may be, sports can provide a platform where there can be this level of stress that's actually okay and beneficial and helps us build this resilience. Before I actually get into the other two ways that stress can have a positive impact on our lives, I do just want to make it very clear that this is specifically referring to low to moderate amounts of stress. And there's a very, very fine line, like the callous example I was giving, between this low to moderate stress being beneficial and this stress becoming toxic or chronic stress. And it's really important to keep in mind that the ability to tolerate stress and adversity varies greatly according to each individual. Things like age, genetic predispositions, and having a supportive community to fall back on at times, as well as past experiences, right? Past traumas, traumas as a kid, and, and so on, all play it, play a part in how well individuals handle challenges. So while a little stress can be good for cognition, re- the researchers who did these studies do warn that continued levels of high stress can be incredibly damaging, both physically and mentally, and that fine line between what's a low to moderate amount of stress for me versus you could be very different based on, like I was saying, age, genetic predispositions, supportive community, as well as past traumas. And so this is something that obviously as someone's growing up when they're a kid, even a young adult, this can be very hard to to find, right, this balance. But as we become adults, we become more mentally mature. This is something that we really want to pay attention to and really start to understand when does the stress feel okay and when does it make me feel you know, more functional versus when does it start to feel destructive or, you know, crushing at that point. So with that being said, let's get into the second way that feeling stress can have a positive impact on our lives. So low to moderate amounts of stress can increase our ability to deal with future stressors. So I brought up sport. So let's keep talking about that because you all know I love sports. I'm literally wearing a Jordan Poole, you know, Warriors shirt right now, which by the way, go Warriors. They're on like a really great streak right now. So I'm, Cora and I are both loving, loving watching them. We literally actually all give you a little bit of an insight into our lives. There has been, let's see, the Warriors are 33 and 30. So there's been 63 games on the season and we have watched every single one of them. So we are very big Warriors fans. We love watching basketball. You know, speaking of that, it's March. So this is a huge, exciting time of year for basketball fans. Probably one of my favorite months, to be honest, purely for that reason. But 
anyways, let's get off that uh, topic. I could talk about, I could do a whole podcast, separate podcast about basketball, but here, here's my example. Take Steph Curry. Steph Curry is one of the best free throw shooters of all time. And he's, you know, I don't know exactly what his career average is, but I'm, I believe it's somewhere around 90, 91% free throw shooting for his career. So when he first came into the league or even go back to college or even high school, he most likely had a moment where he was in a big game and got fouled end of the game. And he had to step up to that free throw line and hit a very important free throw. Maybe it's a free throw that he needs to make in order to keep his team in the game or maybe even to win the game. Talk about stress, right? There's a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety potentially in that moment. And I'm going to guess that at some point he felt that. He felt that stress. He felt that anxiety. Now, you repeat that same moment over many, many, many years. Steph Curry has now stepped up to the free throw line many times in many stressful situations, NBA finals, you know, many big playoff games. And as that stressor, you know, which is a, it is a high amount of stress, but for him, as he's repeated it over and over, the stress starts to feel less and less. And he has gained the ability to be able to handle that stressor in the future. I'm going to guess now when he steps up to the free throw line, in a big game, all right, take last year's NBA Finals, for example, he maybe feels a little bit of pressure, a little bit of stress. I, it's hard to believe that he wouldn't feel any, but he's able to deal with it, right? He has his tactics. I remember when I used to, I mean, I'm, I'm not a Steph Curry, but I did play college basketball. I remember that, and I had a pretty good free throw percentage. I think I was on my career free throw percentage was around like 88%. And I remember when I used to step up to the free throw line, I would, my tactic, my way to deal with the stress was to try and not think about everything that was around me, not to look at the crowd. There was a spot at the backboard I would focus on and I would actually put myself back in my home driveway, my parents' house, the house that I grew up in, the house that I sat there and shot hundreds and hundreds of free throws in order to try and be better. I'd put myself back in that spot. I'd envision that. And I would picture that hoop, that hoop that I shot at all the time, where at one point I made 96 out of a hundred free throws. I pictured that. And that was how I dealt with that stress and it totally worked. So to be clear, this doesn't imply that we become immune to the stress or the pressure or any other negative feelings because, you know, we don't get to pick a life that has no negative feelings in it. That's just the reality. As a human being, we will always feel the full spectrum of emotions and just how we deal with that can vary a lot person to person. But what this means is we're able to develop the mind management tools we need in order to deal with stressors later on. And like I said, I think youth sports is so critical for critical for this. I think coaches who coach youth sports or, you know, even high school sports or even college sports are super important for this and and they play a really big role in helping those kids or those young adults 
learn how to deal with this stress? And do they help them by screaming at them or do they help them by giving them the tools to deal with those situations, which are two very big things. Again, a whole another conversation we won't necessarily get into today. But that second way, just to be clear, is that those low to moderate amounts of stress can increase our ability to deal with future stressors like shooting free throws in big games over and over and over again. So then lastly, the third way feeling stress can have a positive impact on our lives is that low to moderate amounts of stress can help us reach our optimal performance levels. So like I was saying before, resilience, right? Those low to moderate amounts of stress can really make us more resilient to a point. There's a fine line. I'll just reiterate that, but it really can. It can help us be more resilient. In addition, it also can help us be more productive and can help us have an increased attention and interest in something. I'm looking at this chart and I wish you guys could see it, but on the y-axis we have performance, on the x-axis we have stress, and there's this bell curve that goes up, right? When stress is non-existent, performance tends to not be at its peak because there tends to maybe even be some boredom there. There's not a lot of emotion involved in it. If we go back to those NBA players, because I started that, so let's just continue with it. There's a lot of emotions that go into, a lot of passion that goes into them being so good at what they do. We see that competitiveness when they play on the court. So if there's no stress, generally performance is not going to be at its peak. But as that stress starts to rise... There's a point right at the top of that bell curve where you reach optimal performance. Now, with that being said, as that stress continues to rise along that x-axis, that bell curve continues and will start to go down, right? It will start to create strong anxiety and to the point where all of a sudden there could be a complete meltdown. So take our free throw example. If someone doesn't have the tools to manage that situation, maybe they've never stepped up to the free throw line before in a big moment. You take someone who never shoots free throws, all of a sudden they somehow get fouled at the end of the game and they have to step up in front of thousands of people and shoot a free throw. They might not have the tools. They've never dealt with it before. There's going to be a lot of stress in that moment, which is going to cause a ton of anxiety and a complete meltdown. So Again, there's a fine line, but a low to moderate amount of stress can actually be super beneficial to allow someone to reach optimal performance. And obviously I'm talking about sports in that moment, but this can be the same for work. If we went about our job every day and there was zero pressure, there was zero sense of responsibility, there was zero risks being taken, most likely our interest even our motivation, our attention to detail would be less so. We most likely wouldn't be hitting our optimal performance. That little bit of risk-taking and that little bit of responsibility and all that causes a certain amount of stress, which can help us be really, really good at our job. So with all that being said, those are three ways that feeling stress can have a positive impact on our lives. This was eye-opening to me. I found it really helpful because... When I thought about stress, for the most part, I just thought about how I didn't want to feel it. I didn't want to feel that stress. I wanted to live this free life. But when I started thinking about it in this way and how how stress can be 
actually beneficial to me and it can help me be better at my job. It can help me be better in my relationships. It can help me be better in the future when I do, you know, stressful things happen that are out of our control. Some of it we can control and some of it we can't. But when some of that stuff happens in the future that is stressful and it's tough and it's out of my control, I'm going to be able to handle it because I have dealt with this low to moderate amount of stress in my day-to-day life that is that at that low to moderate level. So that's what I have for you guys today. Like always, I'm going to leave you with this. Changing your path will not be easy. It will be challenging. I'll say that over and over again, but it will be worth it. So do a self-check today. Are you on your path up your mountain? And if not, what path are you on? 